was everybody doing? I've missed you. I've been gone for two weeks. We had um, last week at this time. I'm just going to tell you a humorous account of what happened last week. And thank you to Chris Nosworthy for preaching on literally like four hours notice. But um, my husband and I and our son Andrew were delivering our daughter Margaret, who's 19, to college in Arizona. And that was a, you know, traumatizing experience. I will tell you that, like sending your your child off across the country to school. Don't love it, but she's doing well. Her Instagram account looks like she is thriving. (laughs) My husband and I are like, maybe we need to have like a talk with her about, are you working hard at your studies from the past week? I hope so. Um, But anyway, we were on our way back. Everything was going swimmingly. We were south of Des Moines. It was Saturday night. We had about three hours, so we got home. The plan was I was gonna be here Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, our, our tire started feeling like it was flat, and it wasn't flat. The wheel bearing went out on the front end of our car, and the, the irony is this is where I think we saw God protect our family, was when we were going through the mountains on the way back, it was making this, it felt like the brakes were going to go out, and my husband's like, do you think the brakes are okay? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about cars. Neither one of us know anything about cars. We just know how to drive them. What well, was the wheel bearing? And it's the grace of God that it didn't go out when we were in the mountains, but it went out south of Des Moines, 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. Sunday's the next day, Labor Day weekend. Um, we, were, we got stranded at a casino hotel. That was fun. Um, that's where we were having breakfast at this time last <laughs> last week and searching Google all over for a mechanic that works on Sundays and weekends and holidays and God found us one 20 20 miles away and the the guy came 11 o'clock with his flatbed picked up our truck and then as as the guy's leaving Dan's like does he have any actual business or do you know where he's taking the car I'm like uh no (laughs) I don't. I'm like, we just need to pray that we find our car or, I don't know. So then I started looking back at like the Google thing of how I found him. Like, does this guy have a legit business? You know, that's, I'm just like, ah. The whole thing was ironic because I said to Dan, I said, do you know what we were supposed to be starting today at New City was um, a, a sermon series on insecurity, security, and and um, what rattles our cage. And he just started laughing. He's like, that's kind of ironic. So we had our own cage rattling experience um, over the past week or so. And the, the miracle really was that this guy fixed our car in like three hours, drives it back, and we were on our way and got home Sunday night. But anyway, that's what, that's what happened. But it was definitely um, not what we expected, I will say that. So this sermon series we are going to be jumping into, um, I am calling it Unshakable, What Rattles Your Cage. And when I started thinking about this phrase, rattling the cage, I really, I thought about that, like we say that, like something, something rattled our cage, or that person really rattled my cage. But then I thought about it, like, I don't even know how to really explain what rattling a cage means. Um, so I looked it up on the internet, of course, which we always do when we want to find something. Um, So this is what rattling your cage means. It means to purposely anger, upset, or unnerve one, especially to affect their performance or undermine their credibility. The imagery is an exterior cage with an animal inside and people or something outside the cage trying to frustrate, upset, or trouble what is inside. 
And I thought about this when I read the definition. Immediately, it was like images, experiences, feelings came to mind. I don't know what came, comes to your mind when you think of the term rattling your cage. But it's really when our emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual cages are rattled by situations in life or people, and we often has a, have a physical response. I know that when um, I've had various things happen to me in life, I, I experience a physical response to distress. Um, when, I, when I experience shame, I, as a therapist, I ask people, where do you feel shame? And oftentimes, mine is in my stomach. Like I could you know, throw up in an instant. That's, that's how physical my response is to distress. And so when our cages are rattled, that's what happens. Um, I was on a run this week, and I was thinking about times in my life when I have been the most rattled inside, and several instances came to mind instantly. I remember as a 10-year-old, and this has really, I think, impacted a lot of our parenting in our country. Um, I'm 46, and so this was, I think, like 1984, 85, something around there, but I was 10. And the kidnapping of Adam Walsh from a grocery store Um, rattled my cage. It was the first time I I ever thought that something bad could happen to a kid. And I'm six years older than my brother, and so he was around four at the time, and I became hyper-vigilant towards my brother. I was terrified that he was going to get kidnapped when we went shopping. And and I just became this... um, my, my security was really rattled as, as his older sister. And I remember, um, I remember the kidnapping of Jacob Wetterling when I was 11 compounded that sense of safety and security even more. And it's funny because my brother jokingly has called me a smother. He, he combined the words sister and mother, and he refers to me as his smother. And I'm sure that you know, some of those things have played out, but I just remember in an instant how I felt and, and worried and all of a sudden became aware of, of a safety, that lack of safety that I had never thought about before. As I was running and thinking about this sermon series, I thought about next to when I was in fifth grade. My friend Stephanie was, we were at our lockers, and she said, Carrie, something terrible is happening in my house. My parents are getting a divorce. And, and I felt this sick pit in my stomach, and I thought about the phrase went, and you're next, went through my head. And it was true because there was so much fighting and dysfunction in my home, and none of my friends knew. Um, and a year later, my parents did get a divorce, and my family fell apart, and my emotional, mental, and spiritual, physical cage was rattled even more. And my next thought went to yesterday, which was 9-11. And to be honest, I didn't even really think about the, the coincidence of um, today being the 12th and yesterday being the 11th as we started the sermon series on, on being unshakable and security, but um, my husband and I were watching this um, National Geographic show on the history of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, and I just thought about how that event in our nation, oopsie, that event in our nation really um, rattled us collectively. I don't know how old all of you were, but I was a younger mom, and it was our oldest son's first day of preschool, and I remember watching TV and wondering, should I bring him to school? It was, it was such an a, a awful day for so many people. And I thought about how our, our perceived security as Americans was rattled collectively. And we all know the changes that have happened in our nation ever since. I was trying to explain to our son Drew last night like why, um, why homeland security is the thing and why airport travel has become so rigorous. It's because of 9-11. And all that changed because our, our security was impacted as a nation. And, and my thought next went to the, the phrase, 
Um, the, the phrase and the term supposed to be is one I catch myself using frequently in terms of security, like kind of like our trip. It wasn't supposed to end that way. It wasn't supposed to be that way or something different was supposed to happen. Do you ever catch yourself saying that or thinking that? That's kind of what the idiom of our cages were rattled, that this was never supposed to happen and was not in God's plan for us to have our security attacked and, and to not have a sense of safety and security. If you think back to the Bible in the beginning when God created the world and us, he created us in safety and security. We were secure in relationship with him. Um, I thought about how in, in, in scripture it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They had close fellowship with him. They had secure relationship with God. There was nothing, nothing bad or, or, or sad between them and him. They had safety in creation. There was no wonder if like a, a bear was going to come out of the woods and eat them or anything. They had security in relationships with each other. They didn't even know they were naked. They just walked around. They weren't cold. They weren't hot. It was all good. And then in Genesis, we see that God planned and created everything in order and perfection. And then sin enters the world. And the result was insecurity in relationships, in nature, in provision, in safety. All those things I kept thinking about were things that were never supposed to be. And so the, the thoughts for this sermon topic began about two years ago when I was invited to speak at a Bible camp up in northern Minnesota, the same one that I was supposed to speak at this summer. And they gave, they're really good about topics when you're speaking at camps. They usually have their, their theme planned out quite well, and, and their theme over two years ago was called Unshakable. And so um, camp was canceled, as many things were, during 2020, and my mind kept going about in, Unshakable, Unshakable. And then camp, this camp was canceled again this year because they had a COVID operating their staff, and so I, I didn't go up and speak. So this, this sermon has been percolating for over two years. And in this past week, I've been thinking so much about how many things in life have felt shaky, uncertain more and more, and, and how that insecurity and fear of our cages being rattled is really impacting our society, even within our churches, within our families. And I keep thinking about how, how God wants us to be secure, kind of like we, we started with our children, of how can we know that we are secure with him? True, there are events, experiences that happen to us that impact us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, and they impact our sense of security. And one thing I'm becoming more and more convinced of is that when our security is in Christ and our trust is being anchored in him, the things of this world that, that can rattle us and rock us and fill us with fear will have zero power over us, nothing. And so today I'm going to, um, we're going to, at the very end, that's why there's paper around you, we're going to um, invite you to be thinking and writing about things that you want to be um, giving God that rattle your cages. Um, and, and we're going to have time at the end to do that. But if there's things that you think about, jot them down throughout the sermon and, um, and take note of them. Um, so my good friend Tony's back there. Tony, are you ready for PowerPoint Olympics? Okay, here we go. So today, um, as we start on number, slide number one, um, the good thing about all this talk about security and insecurity is that Jesus knew all about it. And he gives us a heads up in John chapter 14. Jesus told his followers this, and he says the same thing to us now. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, thanks, Jesus. That's not, nothing new that we didn't know, right? But then he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. And so there's, there's, this, there's this truth statement of there's no, um, there might be trouble, or it's always going to be rosy. It's nope, there will be trouble. 
And then if we look at his next promise on the next slide, it says, he says, but take heart, I will be with you. I've overcome the world. In Joshua 1.9, um, as Moses and Moses is transferring leadership to Joshua, he's telling them, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous, don't be dismayed, don't keep your head down. The Lord your God is with you. He's with you wherever you go. And if we really live with that promise, we would live so much differently, I feel. So that we go to, to the next thought about like what rattles your cage. Um, and I want you to just to consider, this was kind of a funny picture I found of um, it's a bunch of skydivers. This is something I will never do. Like if I'm skydiving, it means I've had like a psychotic break and my, my brain has been wiped and, and I'm no longer afraid of falling or, or, um, or heights. But I've thought about this, like when, we, when our cages is rattled, I think oftentimes we feel all scattered all over the place or we feel like we're falling and there's nothing that's gonna catch us. And when our cage is rattled, the things of life that, that can shake us up, we are impacted emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And the good news that God gives us, and it is in, in his word, he gives us so much to look back on and to see how his people dealt with the rattles of life. You know, we're, this isn't a new show that we're in. It's, it's a, it's a storyline that continues. And so the good thing is when we look back to God's word, we see where he has been at work in other people's lives. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that we have as God's children is, is scripture to look back and, and understand and learn. So in this study that we're going to be doing for the next couple weeks, <clears throat> we're going to study Hezekiah, king of Judah. He's, he's a character in God's word I've never really spent a lot of time on. And for some reason, when I was preparing for this, um, for the camp that I was going to be speaking at, I kept coming back to this story in scripture because he was a good and godly leader and he had some really difficult things happen to him um, with his, his own family, with um, his, his leadership as he was king of Judah, and also with his health. And it, it kind of made me think about all the stuff that we're dealing with right now. A um, couple things about Hezekiah. He was king of Judah. This is when the kingdom of Israel was split. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. He was king over Judah. The king of um, Israel was Hosea, but we're not going to talk about him very much. But we have the benefit of God's word to encourage us and give us strength from, from Hezekiah's story. couple things. Hezekiah, he lived from 715 to 687 B.C. He was 25 years old when he was crowned king, and his father was King Ahaz. Um, I just wanted you to take note this, this week, if you can write down these scripture passages, I would love if we as a church body um, spend some time. I know this is a lot of like history and there's, there's a lot of things that you're like, okay, well, you know, this such and such battle or actually you'll find entertainment in the names of the, um, the Assyrian kings. They've got some really good names. I always think, how did they name their children? Like there's Marduk or Balan Maraduk and I don't know how we got that name, but there's, the names are fun, but the history is fascinating, especially when we think about our history now. So if you can spend some time in Second Kings 18 and 19, Second Chronicles 28 to 31, and Isaiah 36 to 39 this week, it would be really, really rich as we come to worship next week together. <clears throat> so I want to start out, first of all, with Hezekiah's dad. His dad was King Ahaz. Um, I'm going to read about Ahaz in Second Chronicles 28. And some important things to think about is when, when we have our, ourselves and, and where we're at now, we always come from somebody in some other place. 
Um, and it's really interesting when we think about Hezekiah, as Stephen had read, that, that Hezekiah held fast to the Lord. He loved the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And so obviously we think like, oh, he had a godly dad, right? He came from good stock. Well, his dad was not a good guy. His, his dad was terrible. And so there's, there's times I'm like, how did Hezekiah come then to love and trust the Lord. And I thought about like my own story. My own parents weren't Christians when I was, when I was little. My, my parents have become Christians since. But like I thought about my own story and, and how good God has been to me and God has put other people in my story to show me him. And so there's important people. And I, the prophet Isaiah is one of them. It was part of Hezekiah's life that really helped him know the Lord. But there were other people in his story that helped him hold fast to the Lord, be secure in the Lord, trust the Lord that he did not see in his dad. So it's important to understand who he, who he, he was by what he came from. So here's the thing. King Hezekiah, his dad is King Ahaz. In Second Chronicles 28, I'm just going to read some of the high points. His dad was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. One of the scholars I was reading about, and I, I thought about this, said that when, then when Hezekiah was born, said his, his dad Ahaz was probably 12. And I'm just like, ah, that's just too much to think about. Things were very different back then, right? Anyway, his dad was 20 when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. And this is an important part to start out with. Unlike David, his father, meaning King David, the, the um, first king of Israel, or first good king of Israel, he followed the ways of the kings of Israel he made idols for worshiping the Baals. So that means that gives us some backstory on Israel was not following the Lord, and they had fallen into idol worship, which God had told them not to do. It says he burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He sacrificed his children in the fire. There was this practice of sacrificing your children to this god Molech, and they would burn their children and, and sacrifice their children. He engaged in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites, he offered sacrifices and he burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. And it says the result was God delivered him into the hands of the king of Aram and the Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners and brought them to Damascus. I mean, when, if you spend some time in this this next week, it, it just shows over and over and over again that, that Ahaz did not trust the Lord, that he he did everything that everybody around him did. He even made an altar that was after one of the Assyrian altars and brought it into the temple because he really liked their altar. And he thought, well, maybe if I serve their gods too, life will go good for me. So Hezekiah did not have a dad that showed him how to love and serve the Lord, but yet Hezekiah did. And that's the really, really cool and amazing part. Um, it says in Second Chronicles 28, 16 through 18, um, things weren't going very good. And it says that um, he was invaded again by the Assyrians. Um, at that time, the king, of, the, um, king Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria for help um, because he was being invaded by other places. And they came and they attacked Judah, carried away prisoners, while the Philistines had raided towns in the foothills in the Negev. Um, it says that he, he, the people were in a... a a state, I wrote this down, his heart and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And that is what the prophet Isaiah quoted. 
So think about this. The, the invasions, the wars, the battles, it says they were in a state of panic. They weren't able to find their trust in God and his heart and his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. His cage was rattled. But it was always rattled because he didn't know the Lord and he didn't have his trust in God. And so we're going to be learning about King Hezekiah, where his sense of security and strength came from, how he managed really complex challenges that faced him and his people, and how we can lean into our own current challenges with safety and security from the Lord. So we're going to go to the next slide here. Um, That's the highlights. King of Judah, son of Ahaz, he became king. We went through all that. Sorry, Tony, I'm not being a very good slide manager here. So a couple things we know about Hezekiah and that we're going to be learning about in the next couple weeks. First of all, the prophet Isaiah advised him. Assyria harassed him. I, ironically, too, like when we think about, if you know the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale, do I have any yeses? Yes. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So that makes sense of why Jonah didn't want to go to Assyria. The Assyrians were really, really bad, evil people. So he had Assyria on his case And we also know about Hezekiah that God helped him. This story gets just so cool as we read it because we just see over and over and over how God showed up in really remarkable ways. And it it gives me so much courage just even thinking about last weekend how my family, we were in kind of an impossible situation thinking there are no, it's hard enough to get your car in for an oil change within three days. And here we found a mechanic that worked on weekends, on a holiday weekend, on a Sunday, in the morning, came and got us and, and helped us. And I kept thinking, Lord, that was just one really important small way that you showed how we can trust you and you are good. So next slide, what can we learn from Hezekiah just as we start out? First of all, his security was found in the Lord. As Stephen read for us earlier, a couple important little nuggets that we get from 2 Kings 18. It says, um, first of all, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He undid a lot of things that his dad did. He removed the high places. The high places were, were points of idol worship that the people of um, Judah had started following other nations. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. The Asherah poles were these poles that people would go to and, and worship this goddess, goddess Asherah to, to give them fertility and, and help them have babies. Um, he even broke the bronze snake because God's people, he had even taken the snake that Moses had made for healing back in, in Egypt um, when the people had come out of Egypt, and they started worshiping that. So he got rid of all that, and he, he worked hard to help his people start trusting God. It says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was none other king like him. It says, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commandments of the Lord. He became, he became very obedient to, this is what God wants, and this is what I'm going to do. And it says the Lord was with him. He was successful whatever he undertook. So that holding fast is really important because that, tell me, um, spoke loudly of the word security. When I hold fast to something, it, it shows I am secure, I am safe. And that's really important because it says where Hezekiah's root and foundation was. Um, why is security important? Well, for, for a lot of reasons. You think about um, your children. When you get them from the hospital, one of my friends has a new, new fresh, I call them fresh babies, and she showed me a picture, and the baby was just swaddled like crazy, and I, I thought, like, how babies feel safe and secure when they are swaddled. It's, 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 um, it's, it's got to be traumatic for us as children coming out of a nice, secure, closed womb to this open world, and that's why we swaddle our babies. And that's such a picture of how 
God, when he wraps himself around us, how we can feel safe and secure with him. Um, next slide, Tony. The WHO says, and this is not the band, the WHO, it's the WHO, the World Health Organization. I thought my doctor friends would appreciate that one. But the WHO says, did you find that one, Tony? Maybe not. Do I have that one in there? Oh, I gave another presentation at work this week, sorry. Well, here it is. The WHO says that security is a prerequisite for health. Think about all the crazy stuff happening in our world right now. And so think about like how if we don't have security, that is the fundamental basic need that we have to be healthy and secure. Um, Hebrew words for security. There's two words, and it's an objective word and a subjective word. The first one is bitakon, and it refers to the subjective feeling of security. And then there's the objective physical security word as well, um, and that's avtakcha. And that makes me wonder with you, how does security feel to you when you have felt the safest and most secure in your life? How did you feel? Anybody want to shout out any feelings? How many of you felt happy? How many of you felt stable? How many of you felt loved? How many of you felt protected? How many of you felt safe? Or just at peace. Yeah, you don't worry. Yes, you, John Marsh, right here. Peace. You don't have that worry. You don't have that sick feeling in your stomach. It is so important. Which comes to that slide. Thank you, Tony, for bringing up that slide with the heart, that lock sign. So we think about the opposite of that is insecurity. And what is it? And what happens if you're insecure? Well, insecurity is just terrible. Insecurity is when we feel um, vulnerable, when we feel scared, when we feel um, uncertain. It's, it's, it's the opposite of everything. It's, it's non-peaceful. It's, it's a sick feeling in our stomach. And, and the next slide is the main insecurity, and this is what I, when I'm, a, when I'm in my therapy job, I like to say this to people just to like shock them a little bit and see if they're paying attention. I'm like, the biggest and worst word in the word, world is an F word. It's fear, not the other one. <laughs> but really the main cause of insecurity is fear. And it's the fear of compromising status and relationship. It's an anxiety that we feel in a result of, of our environment, the people around us, how they interact. And so you think about that, that everything that God is, it's the opposite of fear. And it's really important to understand, too, that some people may have negative experiences because of what's happened in life, yet they're able to stay grounded because they've developed self-awareness. However, some people are affected tremendously by negative experiences and then they're never able to feel safe and secure, which made me think again about Hezekiah. He had terrible insecurity. Think about that. His dad had like sacrificed some of his siblings in the fire and was doing all kinds of stuff. And yet Hezekiah was able to hold fast to the Lord, trust the Lord, love the Lord, follow him because there was other people around pointing him to God and clearly he had experienced God on his own and was able to have that relationship. Um, security is also, security and insecurity, next slide, Tony, is also um, a way of thinking. Um, if, you, if you are, I thought about this, if you grow up thinking the world is good or the world is not good, the world is safe, the world is not safe, then that leads to deep-seated beliefs about the world, about other people, about yourselves. And then you have all kinds of unresolved issues that impact how you live and what you do and, and why you do it. 
Um, I think it's really important that we, that we think about that even with our own children of how as parents, what, how we speak and what we, what we do in our homes, the values that we convey to them, help them understand um, their security coming from God and not anything around them. Um, I, th- I think myself as a parent, I catch myself of, of how I talk and, and how I model that to my children is really important. As we close this week, I, I want you to be thinking about your cages, those cages we had talked about. Um, this week, and this is where I want you to get your paper and pen out, um, I want you to think about something. Um, When you, when you have security, it's a state of being free from danger or threat. It's a state of feeling safe, stable, and free from anxiety or fear. Emotionally secure people tend to have trust, and it really impacts our relationships. Securely attached people usually have higher self-esteem, meaning they feel good about themselves. Secure people are able to enjoy closeness and intimacy with others and allow themselves to be known. That's kind of our, these are kind of our, our, our highest things that we aim for throughout our, our lives. We're not going to get it today. It's going to take practice and trust, and it's going um, to take walking it out. Secure people are also able to enjoy closeness and intimacy with others, allowing themselves to be known. It helps us seek out social support and have the ability to share our feelings with others. And that is where I come to the beauty of this church and this place. And, and my hope and prayer is that as we, as we live this out ourselves, we do our own practice of that ourselves, that we will give that gift to each other. Um, I have served in churches where there is no security, where it, it, it looks very much like the world at times and people are not secure in themselves and so they can't be in secure relationships and that is where we are not able to be the body of Christ that God wants us to be. But the more that we practice this with God, we're able to do that with each other which makes the body of Christ so likable and, and, and beautiful to our world and that, is, and that is how we grow and thrive, not just ourselves but saying this is who we are because of Christ. We are secure people in him. So this week, um, I want you to just think about some things and um, a song that when I was with Claire and Jamie this week that started dinging around my head was an old one. It was um, Hold Me Jesus by um, Rich Mullins. And we're going to play, play that song um, while you take some paper and pen. And I want you to just write down a couple things. Um, on that slide. It's this week, thinking back to our cages, that one. So maybe just write down a couple of these notes if you would. First of all, consider your spiritual security right now. Where are you at with the Lord? Are you secure in your relationship with God? And remember what Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has done it all for us. The next one is, ask Jesus to show me how I can have security with him if I'm wondering about, and it could be anything. It could be things that are going on in your life right now. It could be things that have happened a long time ago. It could be all this crazy stuff that's going on around us in our world. And then this is, this is the do. Practice one way to trust God more this week when your cage is rattled. 
And, and practicing means it's not that just we like, oh, I hope I can do this, but it means you're going to practice it. You're going to do it. You know, we had to figure that out this week. We, we had our <laughs> finance. I get really rattled about money stuff, and it comes back to my past. My parents were always talking about money. There was just always this scarcity of money from my childhood. And, and we got, like, drained in the last two weeks. I'm just telling you, like, your kid goes to school, your car breaks down, you have all these other things. It was not good, and I was freaking out about a whole bunch of other things. And, and, I, and finally, I'm like, the Lord said to me, have you prayed about this, Carrie Marie Jacot? Mm, no, I hadn't. So I finally spent some time with the Lord. Come on in, kids, praying about it. And the craziest thing happened was yesterday in the mail shows up two checks from Medica from two years ago for $700 of reimbursements for health stuff. That was exactly what we needed to pay our health insurance this month. And I was like, okay, Lord. That was the way where, where I was like, I had to practice what I preach. Do I pray about this? Do I ask God for this? Instead of worrying about it and being sick about it. And, and the most unexpected thing happened. And I just say that too to say I'm, I'm doing my own work too and, and I'm on this journey too of trusting God, asking him to, to help just as much as you are. We're in it together. But just to tell you, he, if we can be secure in, in, the, in the big things of our salvation and our, you know, who we are as his children, we can also trust him in the little things like our health insurance and, and all that nonsense. So um, we're going to close in prayer. And um, the next one just is, um, as we hear, as we hear um, hold me, Jesus, start. Is what is an image of trust as you pray and begin your week? Trusting our Father God. Allow yourself to be cared for by him just like you care so well for your own children. Give him what you are insecure about. Allow him to take it and replace it with a new image of being secure with him. Oh, Father, we give you the things that we are feeling shaky about. Lord, as, as your children, we ask you to hold us and to remind us that you are so strong and capable. God, I pray for um, all my friends here, Lord, and, and whatever it is we are walking through and struggling with right now, God, would you meet us where we're at? Will we practice that trust in you, and would we practice that surrender of, of truly saying, God, hold us and help us, and we will let you do the work that you can do. Thank you for everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen.